As you fire up this episode, you may find yourself in that last big push of the year trying to generate demand and get those last marketing projects in before the holidays hit. Or, and it could be an and, you may find yourself neck deep in marketing strategy for 2024. What will you include in your plans? What's your budget? All that good stuff that we do this time of year. Well, either way, you'll want to listen in as my guest today, who's an industrial marketer, will help provide his advice on must-dos in both your short-term and your long-term plans. We cover co-marketing, video, social, and why empathy is key to all marketing activities. Let's do this. Welcome to Content Marketing Engineered, your source for building trust and generating demand with technical content. Here is your host, Wendy Covey. Hi, and welcome to Content Marketing Engineered. On each episode, I'll break down an industry trend, challenge, or best practice in reaching technical audiences. You'll meet colleagues, friends, and clients of mine who will stop by to share their stories. And I hope that you leave each episode feeling inspired and ready to take action. Before we jump in, I'd like to give a brief shout out to my agency, True Marketing. True is a full-service agency located in beautiful Austin, Texas, serving highly technical companies. For more information, visit truemarketing.com. And now, on with our podcast. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Content Marketing Engineered. I'm joined today by my friend, Eddie Saunders, Jr., who's the founder and friend of Speak Friend Consulting. Welcome to the show, Eddie. It's really cool to be back and be able to talking with the OG mascot, Wendy. Yeah, from one mascot to another, man. I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah. Uh, and what a time to be talking. So here we are. It's October 2023. And it's crazy right now, Eddie. We have like people talking, are we going to be in a recession? Are we in a recession? We have the GDP is slowing and these high interest rates and now war in Israel. I mean, it's it's getting real out there. Um, yeah. So I just kind of want to acknowledge that, I guess. And I thought you were the perfect guest to bring on today because one of your positivity that I think everybody could use some of right now, but also your experience in industrial marketing, both on, um, you know, the, the manufacturing side, as well as now in your consulting business. So I'd like to help marketers out there with both find some short-term wins for right now, and then talk a little bit about 2024 planning. So, man, let's just start with it's we're in October. What what can a marketer do right now to make an impact before the the holidays hit and and the year you know runs out from underneath us? Well, I mean, knowing that we got to finish strong every single year, depending on where you stand fiscally, it's all about making good noise. And a lot of individuals are trying to get these holiday efforts, depending on where you fall in your trade show schedule as well, whether you're done for the year, whether you still have a couple cooked up, just keep your foot on the gas. That's the biggest thing that I could probably recommend. Some individuals, they kind of lay back and they let some of their social media and some of their outward messaging kind of go on autopilot. And just because we're getting hit with all types of advertisements from toys and consumer goods on that specific side. Uh, don't turn down the volume of your specific branding. I'm um, specifically towards the end of the year when let's all be real. A lot of individuals are making a lot of these bigger decisions on budgets. They're finalizing capital equipment purchases. So if now, I mean, if anything, now is the more important time to actually make more noise than ever. So we can really have a strong finish to the year. 
Boy, that's good advice. I didn't think about that. Those capital equipment, whether it's making those purchases now with dollars this year or needing those quotes and, and trying to figure out what to put in the budget for next year. So yeah, I know I get a lot of calls this time of year on the budgeting front too. So um, definitely feeling that. Good. Well, okay. So then at the same time, as things do quiet down over the holidays, it's a great time to plan your own you know, marketing for 2024. So tell me about how you think businesses should approach that knowing that, you know, things are just kind of squirrely out there. Yeah. I mean, it reminds me of a very similar time. Some would say back in 2020, when let's be honest, like COVID happened and nobody knew what to do. People kind of sat on their hands. And one thing that I leveraged specifically at a previous role that worked really well and paid dividends literally and figuratively was continuing to create content and finding creative ways, again, to keep that volume turned up because there are going to be individuals who, if they haven't already, they're going to turn their volume down, whether it's tightening the straps on ad spend or whatever it may be, uh, lessening their staff, like the things that sometimes unfortunately happen in these specific times. But if we're going to do that, if we're going to continue to navigate these times strategically, I'm going to go back to my original point to continue to make that noise. Also looking into potential collaborations, because if we know that more noise is going to be made, let's look at some of those key players who we know are still active and we could jointly make noise together, potentially double some of our specific efforts, lessen some of the resources that are actually required to produce those efforts. And then it really helps in those leaner times to be able to not only buddy up with some individuals to create that messaging and keep the volume up, but it's just a good tactic overall to keep yourself honest, keep the message continuously going, and then to not get stale, stagnant, or the worst thing, comfortable. <laughs> when you talk about uh, budding up and co-marketing, what are some of the activities or um, different strategies that you've seen be effective? Sure. Everybody likes to resort to like blogs, which is great because there's SEO value there. I, I get black backlinks. Um, I sold and consulted for SEO in like the early 20 teens. And so when everything was just big and SEO was the rave. So I get that. But what I would highly recommend is we're looking at content creation, specifically videos. If there's ways that you can either interview like individuals you want to collaborate with, uh, individuals who are synergistic when it comes to an entity standpoint, individuals who you work with specifically, or people who you may have never considered talking to in the first place. Now is the time to do so because if information in 2023 is a commodity and that's less of a question, more of a statement, it is, why not control the narrative at scale? Um, and I think there's no better way to do that than with synergistic brand buddies, whether it's in the industry or outside of it. Um, I'd love to give specific examples, but it's so diverse and so different. But the first thing that's needed is just the ambition to want to do so in the first place. And a lot of people are hesitant because you have to interact with others. Everybody wants to hide their cards close to their chest. But I would say that there is there's empowerment and there's lots of potential if we're able to be vulnerable and synergize with others. Yeah. Well, and I like that you em emphasize the synergy piece because to me, it's not about let's take our two brands and leverage each other's, you know, social reach or database. It's also what is that joint value proposition? You know, how does that one plus one equal three and beyond? And um, I think that's sometimes an important aspect that people miss, right? They jump straight to tactics and don't really think about wh why, why are the two of our brands together? What does that mean? 
Mm -hmm. For sure. And I get let's create narrative around if we're a drill company. Oh, we sell the drill, right? Oh, no, no, we sell the hole. I get that. But how come the drill company isn't talking to the, the drill bit company? And then why are they not making noise together, figuring out how they solve the problem together? And yeah. that's the best analogy that I can think of, because specifically within manufacturing, I mean, think about all the tools and the components that go within your specific tangible product or machine. There's so much. So the opportunities are just endless. And the best example I had was at a previous cutting tool company that we use or a, a tapping company. We use cutting tools. So what did we do? We were able to partner with almost every single cutting tool company that we wanted or with that we wanted to specifically because we had the open mind and level of ambition to do so. And then we created a really cool scalable strategy that allowed us to go from one to the next to create a cool little set of content while it also still being brand forward and brand friendly. Yeah. And a budget safer too, I would think, because you have more people working on it as well. Okay. What are some other, let's say budget savers? I mean, if, if you're, you know, faced with, I need to grow my leads, you know, grow my visits, whatever your goals are, but I have to do it with the same amount of money. Where would you divest or what are some just, I don't know, budget-friendly activities that you'd suggest people look at? Sure. In times like these where you need people and bandwidth, but it's not exactly within the cards with your resources, I've been seeing a lot of individuals move to smaller base teams, third party agencies and or consultants. And I'm not trying to push that just because that's, you know, my, my, my venture, if you will. But I'm noticing a specific trend where these manufacturers, they're trying to do a lot with a specific small team member or small teams, but they don't always have the resources to do that and to do all the things that they're set out to do. So one thing that I would say, it's not a dirty or wrong thing to do, but there are plenty of industry experts around, whether it's from accounting to operations, again, to marketing, to whatever it may be. And so there are a lot of these partners out there that can get you from point B to C. And it's um, it's a great way to save from having to pay someone, you know, obviously a full time rate, and all those employee overhead um, um, options, if you will. But you still are having access to that industry knowledge, wherever it may be. So I would say the use of third-party agencies and consultants and partners is going to be a huge thing as we see these manufacturers grow and scale in certain departments and try these disruptive methods during these, let's just call it testing and trying times. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and for some companies next year represents a big opportunity to grow market share, right? It's less about managing that volatility and more about capitalizing upon it and doubling down. And so um, in that regard, um, what are some other areas where you might suggest people focus? For those who have the ambition and or the resources, even if it's minimal, I would really look into distribution of just, just general ad spend. I mean, not just specifically on social because that's great, but also looking at your search engine marketing ads because knowing that individuals are continuously searching on your Googles and let's even say TikTok because that's an objective truth. Uh, there are lots of ways to get your message in front of individuals in 2023. And I'll go back to a prior point. If we're going to be able to control that narrative, why not do so at scale? So I think it's going to be really important for individuals to kind of focus focus on that and then lean into it moving forward because it's not going to get any less relevant as we move forward. And so if we have these specific roadmark or roadmaps in place, we have the foundation laid, it's just going to pay dividends in the future. Okay. I have to go back to something you said. Uh, TikTok is a what? A what truth? <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell me more about that. Why, why convince me uh, what, that industrial brands should lean into TikTok? <laughs> 
I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Not all filters are created equal, right? Uh -huh. So let me start there. Yeah. Um, I, I will say for those who are trying to scale and capture new attention, it is objectively one of the largest and easiest to scale forms of content distribution on the planet, period. Oh, and did I mention that it's free? Uh, and so it's just one of those things where it's hard to to um, to not look at it. For example, working at an industrial brand that I helped significantly a couple of years ago in one month, in one single month of, of just straight content distribution. I think it was in May of this specific year. I'll never forget it. Right. TikTok produced more video views than the entire YouTube page did the whole year prior. Wow. Those That's are big numbers. Fact. Big numbers, yeah. you know, it's, it's so hard because then how do we uh, take that attribution, right? You have that high level metric and then how do we take it down to know what happened to those people? Uh, it's, it's, you know, you have any suggestions for that, how to report along that life cycle? There's, there's no way to do that yet with TikTok that I know of. It's somewhat difficult because everyone goes back to attribution and me yeah. as a data guy, like in God, we trust everybody else bring data. So if we can tie attribution, of course, that's going to be my first lead. I yeah. will say that's one of the challenges with the platform because you can capture some of that demand, but like how do you actually convert it, if you will? And so some individuals can do links to site and you can try to create little call to actions. But we have to remember that a platform like that is strictly for content consumption. Right. People just want, they have the spoon. They just want to keep eating. <laughs> That's the truth. It'll grab you and just pull you into that black hole of TikTok. And you'll yep. look up and be like, what happened? I lost some time. <laughs> exactly. So that's why I leverage it as more of a, it's a good bolster. I'm not going to go yeah. to any specific manufacturing brand and saying, hey, this needs to be your pillar. It's just going to be a component. Sure. Sure. Th yeah. Thank you. That That's helpful. All right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about empathy. I noticed the tagline that you're using for your new business is business strategy driven by human empathy. And I thought that was wonderful and just wanted to get in your head a little bit about why empathy is so important for industrial brands. Well, if, if I would say in marketing as a whole, I'll be that bold. Um, because if, if we as marketers are truly trying to deliver valuable messaging and content to our ideal audience in order to entice, drive any type of decision, if you will, I think we need to be very conscious about how they feel, how they react and how they're digesting and accepting and interpreting that information. And if we lead with empathy and we lead with the genuine intention of not only wanting to understand how they think, how they make decisions, but figuring out what actually drives those decisions and what we can do to kind of help um, guide those and then create content for every step of that decision-making process. If we're not doing that with thinking of them and beginning with the end in mind, I feel like we're doing ourselves a big disservice and we're probably stuck on some type of MQL hamster wheel that a lot of old school ideology is set upon. And I understand leads are valuable, if you will, but we'd be doing ourselves again, a huge disservice if we ignored that there are both sides to that specific uh, concept and that empathy is a huge driver, not only just in business, and that's why I lead it so much, but also in life. It's very, very important for me to be an empathetic person so that the individuals who I interact with and who I engage with, that I think of where they're coming from, because don't we all want to be heard and understood truly? And that's just on a scientific and spiritual level. So if we apply that to marketing and business principles, I would say that we can get some pretty solid human reactions out of that. And if we drive those said results, um, it all makes sense in the end. 
So given that marketers tend to be one step removed from the customer, how do you recommend that they develop that information, develop that empathy? What is a marketer to do? Sure. I have been as bold to, because one of the first 10 years of my career, I spent specifically in selling, right? Selling in these marketing and advertising products and services and platforms. And so I had direct experience having these conversations, strategizing with them. And so that gives me a little bit of an upper hand because I have that two-pronged approach. And so it's just natural for me to have that discovery-led mindset. And for those who don't naturally have that, you either need to develop that um, and if you think about it, if you generally want to do your job as well as you can, you need to be able to uncover that information. You need to figure out why they're doing what they're doing. One of the easiest ways to do that is to go directly to the source. But I understand some salespeople, me formally, used to be very concerned about your engagement with my clients. But if we're same team, same dream, it's very difficult for me to ever think. And I've never experienced individuals who say, hey, I don't want you to interact with individuals who you also like as, as a customer of us in general. So either connecting directly with them or God forbid marketers talk to their salespeople. Oh no, oh no, that never is a thing. Remove the <laughs> silo, build the bridge because there's perspective and there's sales enablement to be had on the other side of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. I like that your your levels, if you will. So and and maybe some convenient ways to do that. You could sit in on sales phone calls where that customer may or may not even know you're joining or they'll know you're there, but you're just listening in. Trade shows are a great way to interact with customers. So go work that booth, listen to those conversations, interact, and of course, more formally voice of customer studies, which you know is I think that's the gold standard, but that takes, of course, time and money. So there's mm -hmm. these informal ways that work really well too. So true. And agree. Agree. Be into sales. Be, be buddies of sales. Uh, and, yes. and, and really to me, as I think about 2024 uh, plans, I think one of those should include what is my sales enablement strategy? How can I go in and help sales achieve their goals? So having empathy towards their jobs, what they're struggling with, and looking at that sales cycle and where can marketing uh, lend a helping hand? For sure. And it reminds me of uh, I'm in the middle of the industrial marketing ABCs right now. And looking at the letter O was objection content. And me and my former sales mind, I'm always thinking, what can I create? What type of assets, what type of imagery, what type of messaging can I create? Because I know that my salespeople are facing objections. That's the reason why they don't have 100% close rate, because they're facing those objections. If I'm doing my job and trying to help make their job easier so that they can make my job easier, then I need to be able to again, have those conversations, want to know what's going on, and then be able to give them the objects and the tools that they need. Because if I can make a really good hammer, it doesn't matter if sales needs a screwdriver. <laughs> right, right. Let's give them that hammer. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is what it is. You know. But I can I make a really it. shiny hammer. <laughs> Uh, well, Eddie, as we look to 2024, how do you see AI technology for marketers? Should we be using it? How do you recommend marketers get started? Or do you? Where, where do you stand on all that? If you can, you should. And when? Yesterday. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a really big deal. Um, within the last 13 years, I've been able to see some really cool tools um, come out and emerge and a lot of great platforms emerge uh, from all these conversations and efforts, but nothing. And I mean, nothing has intrigued me, has driven me and has enabled me to, to just work better, more efficiently and just overall just in a much faster, efficient fashion than using the growing AI tools that exist that are going to be crazy optimized and even better tomorrow. 
it's it's unreal the rate at which not only people are adopting it um, in other industries, which is crazy. In, in, in the industrial world, we need to be able to utilize this. It's being leveraged on the highest levels, but with marketers specifically, it has, is, and will continue to change the game. So tell me specifically either... I don't know, some tools that you're liking right now or a type of tasks that you turn to IA tools, AI tools to perform? No worries, no worries. Well, from a content scaling and strategy standpoint, I mean, there are varieties, specifically Opus Clip is an example, which is great. You're seeing it used across all of all industries and you're seeing it across all socials as well. Just taking a video, plop it into an AI um, AI platform. It pops out a variety of different um, downloadable clips that you can use at any given time. Super easy. What would take a videographer or a video editor hours to do took a platform five minutes or less. Um, everybody knows chat GPT, which is fantastic, but people truly don't understand on a higher level the capabilities that can be drawn from it. I have personally written, um, a, I don't even know, countless different blog articles, video scripts and everything using that as a starter. One thing to note, though, if you are going to adopt it, it's not as if you plug in the prompt and it spits out magic. You have to know how to talk to it. But also, you don't use it as a crutch. You use it as a guide because, of course, everything that I leverage it for, I humanize. It's not robotic, but you have to humanize it. But yeah. if you can leverage it and you know how to talk to it, the, the tools, it's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been using a lot of uh, universal prompts to help, you know, here's the persona. We already have that defined. So let's make sure to give give that person some substance before you go in and do research or content development or whatever that task is that you're wanting to do. So mm -hmm. I like that. Take that human approach there. I tell you, on a personal note, I was just, um, I'm planning a, a Thanksgiving trip with the family to Costa Rica. And I was going the old school way from website to website, trying to figure out if I could take a water taxi from one town to another. And I said, what am I doing? You know, I can just go to Claude and ask Claude, you know, and of course I found the answers right away and, uh, and even more information. I'm like, oh, I've got to remember to do it this way. Not digging on TripAdvisor down to, you know, travel boards from four years ago or something. So <laughs> you get it, you get yeah. it. It's, and that's why I said it's changing more than just marketing marketing just gets really good access to it. So that's just another great example, Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good deal. Well, any other advice as we close out the year and look into early 2024? Be bold, be brave, be experimental, and just keep creating. That's it. Love it. Love it. All right, Eddie. Well, speaking of early 2024, I am going to see you in Austin on January 31st, February 1st, February 2nd for the Industrial Marketing Summit because you are on a panel about what's the subject? About building personal branding within the industry, how to specifically leverage it. And even though I don't know the exact title, that's what we're going to be discussing. It's going to be going over me, kind of a little bit of my journey with a couple of other awesome panel members with an even more awesome moderator and host, but uh, it's great. This is an awesome opportunity for individuals like myself and for other marketers to not only showcase some of the great things that we've been doing, but to provide value to all the younger, other hungry and thirsty minds that are looking for the latest and greatest. Yeah. And it's just gonna be so fun to just get together with, as peers in this space, which is, it's not an easy space, right? And um, 
I, I'm really looking forward to that, just the relationship building aspect of it. And having a Mexican martini downtown Austin with you is going to be fun too. So you better believe it. Make it cold and make it too. There you go. Exactly. Good. Well, if those of you listening haven't uh, learned about the event yet, you can go to industrialmarketingsummit.com to learn more. And I think there's a couple of early bird tickets left. We're almost sold out. So take a look at that. And then separately, Eddie, how can people connect with you and learn more about what you do? Absolutely. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. You can find me at Eddie Saunders Jr. Or if you want to learn more about all the fun adventures I'm going on, check it out at speak-friendly.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by today. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Thanks for joining me today on Content Marketing Engineered. For show notes, including links to resources, visit truemarketing.com slash podcast. While there, you can subscribe to our blog and our newsletter and order a copy of my book, Content Marketing Engineer. Also, I would love your reviews on this podcast. So please, when you get a chance, subscribe and leave me your review on your favorite podcast subscription platform. Thanks and have a great day.